Hi everyone, Chris here from the Geology Podcast Network. When I was writing this episode, I couldn't decide which did you know to use for this episode, so today you get lots. Did you know that 44,000 kilograms of meteorites hit the Earth every day? Did you know that only one human is known to have ever been killed by a meteorite? And did you know that scientists can triangulate the trajectory of a meteorite and back calculate where it came from in the solar system? So, as you may have guessed, today we're going to be talking about backyard meteorites. Have you ever stared out your window and wondered what interesting secrets lay just beneath the surface? Don't let the Kentucky bluegrass and your mother's geraniums fool you. There is exciting geology even in your backyard. In this podcast, we explore the amazing discoveries and geologic events that happened right in someone's backyard. Back in my old home of Perth, Australia, there is an amazing group of scientists that have spent decades chasing meteorites with cameras, satellites, and even helicopters. These scientists are part of the Desert Fireball Network at Curtin University. They have set up the largest ground-based camera network specifically for tracking meteorites. It works like this. The DFN cameras are mounted with fisheye lenses with 180 degrees field of view pointed up at the sky. These cameras take 30-second exposures over and over from dusk till dawn all night long. An advanced computer algorithm then takes those images and automatically looks for fireballs that form when a meteor burns up in the atmosphere. When a fireball is found, the computer sends a message to the scientists saying that something has been seen by the cameras. Then, using multiple camera angles, they are able to triangulate where the meteor came from, and given the size of the fireball, they can estimate how big it was and whether it was big enough to then hit the Earth. Once they've found a prime candidate, they muster a group of intrepid scientists to travel deep into the Australian bush to find the meteorite. One meteorite find was particularly exciting when, in 2015, they were able to retrieve a meteorite within only one month of the observed fall. The Marilli meteorite was observed using the Desert Fireball Network on the 27th of November 2015 and was retrieved on New Year's Eve just a month later. Here is Professor Phil Bland recounting this incredible event. We sent a couple of guys out to get on a little spotter plane uh, to, to see a first, to get a first look at it. They saw a feature on the lake that looked like where it might have hit. We knew we had to get there before there was any more rain. But it's the middle of the, you know, it's the, the holidays, right? So you're trying to organize all this stuff and, you know, shops are shut and the university's shut. We had to get authorization from the, the indigenous people in that area, the Arabana people. Uh, and and they were amazing. You know, they were actually, they, they sorted it out for us quicker than anyone else, and, which was fantastic. And a couple of those people, Dean Stewart and Dave Strangway, came with us as guides, and they were a huge help. Unfortunately, between the first guys going out and taking a picture, and then us getting out there, it was only two weeks, but there'd been a lot of rain in that time. So, uh, so part of the lake had filled up, and, and we knew that that would have an effect on that first that little crater that you can see on some of those uh, first images, and that was an issue. Then more rain was gonna come in as well, so that was, you know, there was a clock ticking. We couldn't find it, and that was quite disappointing. So, you know, you go all the way out of this place, you throw all these resources at it, it's, you've organized it all 
over Christmas and the New Year when you really want to be home with your family, you know? And, and we couldn't see it. And the kind of final attempt of looking from the air while we were on the ground was, was literally that. You know, we knew that the weather was coming in and that was going to be the last gasp. So the plane was circling for, uh, for at least an hour and it was starting to rain and me and Robert out in the middle of the lake with the quad bikes. You don't want to be on the, one of the biggest mud baths in the world in the rain ever. So, uh, so it was really touching going, how long do we stay? Uh, and then the guys say, okay, we've seen it, you know, we've seen it. But then they lose it again, right? So they're flying around more and I'm looking at them and they're nowhere near where they said they saw it. And I've run out to that spot, but you're running through mud so it's actually really knackering. And then finally they spotted again, and then I see the thing, and, but you're still not sure, and I'm still not sure, uh, until finally my fingers touched it at the bottom of this dirty great hole. And that was quite a nice moment. The DFN have recovered five meteorites to date with highly accurate orbital data that provide important insight into where in the inner solar system the meteorite came from. Effectively, this is the beginning of making a geologic map of the asteroid belt, and it is absolutely phenomenal. Recently, there have been a slew of YouTube videos of people running out of their house claiming they heard a loud bang in their back garden. They run out only to find a crater with a fist-sized rock in the middle of a fiery pit. A meteorite, they yell. I just found a meteorite. However, despite all the fanfare and five minutes of fame on the local news station, all of this is fake. Meteorites are not hot when they hit the ground, nor are craters smoking and burning from when the meteorite hit. When a meteorite hits the atmosphere, the density of the upper atmosphere causes friction and in turn causes the air around the meteorite to compress and heat up. This superheated air can cause part of the meteorite to spall off. If the meteorite is large enough to survive the upper atmosphere ablation, but small enough to have been slowed by the atmosphere, it will actually be cold when it lands. There have been a couple of meteorites that have been reported to have been quickly coated with frost even though they both fell on hot midsummer days. It is possible for a meteorite to fall in your backyard. Let's imagine a baseball-sized meteorite fell in your backyard. The most common are stony meteorites that have densities of around 3.3 grams per cubic centimeter. So a baseball-sized stony meteorite would be about three-quarters of a kilogram, or about one and a half pounds. If this baseball-sized meteorite fell in your backyard, it probably wouldn't make much of a crater, though it would likely punch a hole through your well-manicured lawn. The Murilli meteorite that was found by the DFN is about double that size, but only made a crater about 60 centimeters wide, but it burrowed 40 centimeters deep because it hit soft sediment. There was one very unlucky person who had a meteorite fall right in her lap while she was napping on the couch. On 30th November 1954, Ann Hodges was rudely awoken when a four kilogram meteorite smashed through her house, destroyed her radio, and punched her right in the side. It was joked that an impact crater is also called an astroblem. 
And therefore, the bruise that Anne Hodges got from this meteorite hitting her in the side would be an astro blemish. However, the meteorite ended up being more than just a pain in her side, as it brought to bear a nasty court battle between Anne and her landlord, who claimed that because the rock fell on her property, it belonged to her. Eventually, the landlord gave up the court battle, but at that time, the interest in Anne's story had waned, so no one was interested in buying the space rock. Instead, Anne used it as a doorstop for years, until eventually donating it to the Alabama Museum of Natural History, where you can still see it today. A more recent meteorite that made international headlines was the Chelyabinsk meteor that entered the atmosphere over Russia on the 15th of December 2013. This meteor was about 20 meters across and is estimated to have weighed more than the Eiffel Tower at about 12,000 tons. Entering the atmosphere, it caused a fireball brighter than the sun that could have been seen for more than 100 kilometers away. It let off three airbursts with the equivalent energy of about 500 kilotons of TNT, or about 10 times larger than the largest bomb ever detonated. These airbursts caused tremendous damage to over 7,000 buildings, blew out windows in six different cities, and injured over 1,500 people. Fragments of the meteor were strewn along tens of kilometers along its path, and the blackness of the fusion crust made it easy for people to pick out meteorite fragments in the snowdrifts. The largest fragment crashed through a frozen lake, leaving behind a six-meter-wide hole in the ice. And after a several-week-long operation, a 570-kilogram meteorite was excavated from the bottom of the lake. It's estimated that the frequency of airbursts from objects 20 meters across is about once in every 60 years. So the event that we saw in Chelyabinsk is likely to happen in another 60 years or so. In addition to the Chelyabinsk event, there have been three other incidents in the past century involving comparable or higher energy yields. There was the 1908 Tunguska event. There was the 1930 Kursa River event, and then in 1963 off the coast of the Prince Edward Islands in the Indian Ocean, although two of these were over unpopulated areas. So let's say you find a suspicious looking rock in your backyard. How can you tell whether it is a meteorite? Well, given the diversity of meteorites, it's hard to give a single test to identify them. Iron meteorites will mostly be composed of iron and therefore will be magnetic. So the first test is, does a magnet stick to it? However, stony meteorites like chondrites are not magnetic and the magnet test is not helpful to identify whether or not it's a meteorite. But meteorites will also develop a fusion crust as they come through the atmosphere. They're often light-colored under the crust. So if you see a rock that has a black crust on the outside and you knock off an edge and it's also black inside, that means it may not actually be a meteorite. 
And although iron meteorites will be denser than the average rock, stony meteorites are only slightly more dense than average basalt, where a stony meteorite is about 3 to 3.3 grams per cubic centimeter, and basalt is about 2.9 to 3 grams per cubic centimeter. So if you have a rock with a suspiciously dark crust on the outside and it feels a bit heavier than it should be, maybe it's a meteorite. But best to contact an expert for confirmation. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends, students, or professors. Backyard Geology is part of the Geology Podcast Network and is sponsored by Traveling Geologists.